What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. Thank you for coming back and listening to another episode. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind you that I am doing a raffle drawing every month now for a free shirt and sticker. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple and leave your name or your Instagram handle in the uh, review. Or you can leave a rating on Spotify or Apple. And after you leave the rating, just take a screenshot and send it to me via an Instagram DM or email. And you will be put on our list for the raffle drawing. Today's episode is the last one in July. So if you want to be included in the July raffle drawing, be sure to get your rating or review or both in and send it to me. So you can be uh, eligible of winning a free shirt and sticker from yours truly. Today's episode is with Hannah. She is 26 years old and lives in Erie, Pennsylvania with her boyfriend and five pets. They have two cats and three dogs. Arlo and Odin, her American bullies, are what inspired her social media and who you will mostly see online. Arlo is a one and a half year old rescued bully and Odin is a 10 week old bully from a breeder in Arkansas. They strive to share everyday dog mom life, including sharing about knee surgery, being a therapy dog team, owning a misunderstood breed, and training. And we are going to get into all of those topics today. I am going to keep this one short and sweet. So we are just going to jump right on into today's episode with Hannah. No matter the age of your pet, so much planning is involved when setting them up for success. From the hours of training, to the socialization, to the confidence building. But have you ever considered that the thing causing them a difference in their behavior, whether it's agitation or anxiety, might be a bit more complex than just training? This past year, I began to factor in how Layla's digestion could be affecting her behavior and mood. I didn't previously consider this because it really isn't something that you can outwardly see, nor could she communicate that to me. But after reading her food label, I decided to find a brand that was more balanced, holistic, and fueled her for all of our training and play sessions. But I still wanted it to be convenient for me and all of our trips and even hand feeding. This is when Solid Gold entered our lives. Layla was immediately obsessed with their food and I am equally obsessed with the benefits she gets from it. Up to 80% of a pet's immune system is influenced by the gut, making the nutrients, vitamins, and minerals so important to your pet's overall health and well-being, which, you guessed it, also includes things like their nervous system and behavior. Layla has been eating Solid Gold's new Nutrient Boost line, which is powered by plasma, making it extra nutritious, extra delicious, and providing extra immunity. The added plasma ingredient works to reduce inflammation and increase absorption, making sure that she gets every nutrient possible in her little tummy. And all of this is in kibble form, making it extremely easy and functional for us. 
Beyond their large variety of customizable food, Solid Gold also makes meal toppers, flavorful bone broths, and supplements. You can snag their products on Amazon, Chewy, Petco, and PetSmart. And find all the details about Solid Gold on their website, solidgoldpet.com. That's also linked in the show notes. Layla assures you that you will not regret checking out Solid Gold for your pet. Hello, everybody. Today we have Hannah on. Um, she is the proud mom of a bad reputation breed. <laughs> I had to read her yep. shirt. She has the, the cutest shirt on right now that that says that. So uh, super glad to have you on. Um, talk about bully breeds, some of your um, like life and your dogs mm-hmm. and therapy dogs and all all sorts of like really cool stuff. So welcome to yeah. the podcast. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really excited. Yay. Yeah. And you, I, you actually reached out to me, which is nice mm-hmm. um, because typically I do outreach. So whenever you emailed me, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, of course, mm-hmm. like, please come on. <laughs> yeah. I heard you say on one of your podcasts that that's an option for people if you're interested. And I don't know what happened. I was just like, I want to be on this podcast. Yes. I need yeah. to be. So here I am. Yes, of course. And each podcast episode like truly does touch so many people um mm-hmm. so I bet after this like you'll get messages from other uh bully breed owners and are going to be like yeah. thank you so much for like speaking out about this so mm-hmm. really excited to to get into it um but before we do just tell us a bit about you and your family and all your dogs and cats and all of that jazz yeah so my name is Hannah I'm 26 um I currently live we live in a small town called Cory, Pennsylvania. It's close to Erie, PA. I don't know if you're okay. familiar. Most people know it. It's like two hours away from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Most people know it. Um, I have five animals. I have Arlo. He's an American bully. He's one and a half. We recently adopted Odin. He's 14 weeks now. He's also an American bully. I have two cats, Loki and Peter Quill, and also a um, chihuahua. Oh, fun. Your puppy that you just got is so stinking cute. Yeah, I got very, very lucky with him. He's he's going to be a big dog. Yeah, he looks like it, but he is really, really cute. So Thank well, fun you. additions to, to the pack. I like it. Um, yeah, do you like have anything going on this summer? Any fun plans or just chilling at home? Like, I know for us, we're not doing anything really big this summer because we have our wedding in September. Like this September, like two months? hmm Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yep. So nothing like super big this summer in terms of like vacations or anything because we have to save oh, up yeah. that time for, for our September honeymoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where are you guys going? We are going to Seattle, like the Pacific oh. Northwest area. So flying into oh. Seattle and then... We haven't really decided if we're going to go to Mount Rainier or um, Mount Olympus. I can't remember if it's Olympic or Olympus, but we're, we'll either go to one of those to to see it. Yeah, that's awesome. I heard Seattle is beautiful. Yeah, I'm really excited. Wow. So I've been to Washington before, but not Seattle. So mm-hmm. I am uh, very excited to see the city. Yes, yes. Um, 
but we don't have any major plans. My boyfriend, he is a cop, so his schedule is all over the place. I bet. You can imagine. Uh, works long hours every hour of the day. Schedule changes daily. Mm-hmm. So we don't have anything set in stone. Um, a lot of things I do just take my dogs places. Um, but nowhere crazy yet. Arlo is still recovering from his knee surgery, so he can't do the big hikes. And when I say big hikes, it's like five miles. Right. Um, but we can't do that because he's still recovering and Odin's just too young still to go on anything crazy. Right. So we stick, yeah. So we stick to like little trails and hikes around where we live, but we just take day by day. That is still <laughs> really fun though. I love doing yeah. small hikes. Okay. Let's get into the good stuff. All of the topics that you are a dog mom, I don't want to say like expert, but like you are experienced in these like dog mom Mm -hmm. topics. So I want to start off by talking about bully breeds and the stigma around them. Like I said, Mm -hmm. at the beginning, you have the perfect shirt for it. Um, It's, this is like a topic that I haven't really touched on in the podcast. Like I've had owners that have bully breeds, but we've never really talked about like the stigma specifically around owning a bully breed. Um, So let's like first set the record straight before we start any of this what is and what is not a bully breed because I know there's some things are some things people say are bully breeds and then some aren't and then you know it's kind of like all over the place yeah there's a lot of confusion around bully breeds pit bulls Mm -hmm. all that stuff um so like I mentioned earlier I'm going to try to keep this sweet and short um so a bully breed, how this is how I describe it best to people, is a group of dogs, probably about 20 different breeds, um, including American bullies, is what I have. Um, Dogo Argentino, pugs are in this group, bull mastiffs, English bulldogs, American pit bull terriers, amstaffs, like the list goes mm-hmm. on. So when somebody would say to me, I own a bully breed, mm-hmm. it could be any of those dogs. And normally it's just, you know, a bigger muscular dog, bigger head. Right. Um, Especially, like, if it's a rescue, somebody would say, like, oh, it's a bully mix, which I think that's how they should refer to that dog as. Um, in regards to the stigma and issues that these dogs have today is most people just refer to all of these dogs. Like, even if you have a boxer, let's say, and, like, a Dogo Argentino, I don't know if you're familiar with that breed. Mm-hmm. They look kind of similar, but also not to people who don't know the breeds some people like 90 percent of the population could call both of those dogs people right like there's just so many people out there that misidentify dogs and they just call all blocky headed dogs a pit bull like i walk anywhere and everybody asks pit bulls like do you are those pit bulls like yep it's like no and i don't blame them because like growing up that's what i thought too like oh they're pity mixes they're pit bulls um and sorry, I get off track a little bit just because I can talk so much. You're fine. You're fine. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. So, and a lot of people too, I think where a lot of people get confused and say pit bull is an umbrella term. Like mm-hmm. all yep. these dogs are pit bull. Right. And that's so inaccurate and so confusing because a pit bull is its own breed. It's an American mm-hmm. pit bull terrier. Um. So whether you have an actual pit bull or not, you're going to be judged and represented as a pit bull. So in today's world, the stigma is just so high around these dogs because if somebody sees a pit 
pit bull doing something wrong that just like fuels their fire like oh this is why these dogs should be eradicated or right yeah so yeah yeah no it kind of reminds me you know I always say like Layla's a herding breed just because she's a mix of different herding breeds and boxer randomly but um you know it's kind of like that same thing just kind of like grouping Mm -hmm. them but definitely the the stigma with some of the breeds in the bully breed kind of umbrella exactly like yeah it's more has led to the full misrepresentation of them Mm -hmm. all so did you know like going into owning um your uh bully breeds that you like were gonna have the stigma like of being a bully breed owner and like misinterpreted and misunderstood by having that breed oh 100 yeah but that's kind of what led me to get that okay it's just because I wanted to like my dream since I was 13 was to get a rescue bully and to make it a therapy dog like that oh, was really my okay ultimate <laughs> goal in life was to get a rescue and make it a therapy dog um just to help spread you know these dogs aren't bad dogs Mm-hmm. you know so that was my ultimate goal so I definitely knew you know walking anywhere I was gonna get looks I was gonna get little comments and you have to have thick skin and I knew that going in right right I feel like some people especially if they're rescuing they might not know that these dogs have that um stigma around them or that like stereotype and mm-hmm. I know like a lot of it does come from you know what they were initially bred for Mm-hmm. you know, can kind of like lead to different behavioral traits. Like for instance, yeah. Layla is a mix of herding breeds and she is super energetic. And so like a lot of people like to consider herding breeds, especially like border collies or Aussies crackheads. Yeah. And, or, you know, like just crazy, whatever, um, which is not really super appropriate. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of the same thing with like bully breeds, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so, like, what are some of the things that you've told people if they've started to label your dog or another dog of that type or under that umbrella to, you know, change their mind or make them a little bit more open-minded to the uh, situation? Yeah, so it's different, like, if we were in person versus online. Right, um, totally. Give us both, because I know a lot okay. of people probably go through this, and, like, yeah. sometimes it's nice to know what other people say. Yeah, so in person, I'm surprised I haven't gotten any, like, to the extreme negative comments that I kind of was expecting to get, especially since Arlo is older and bigger now. Um, But most of the time, people come up and just, like, Pitbull, and I'm, I'm just like no, and they're like Mastiff. I'm like no, and I'm like he's an American bully, and honestly, most of the time people don't know the breed, so I just kind of educate them um, about that, and they just go on their merry way. Mm-hmm. Um, I do occasionally get like when we're on a therapy dog visits. Um, we've been on three visits so far, and all of them have been with kids. There have been a couple times where. I've heard parents be like, oh, don't go buy that one. Really? Even though, yeah, even though it's a therapy visit, he's learning his best, like, Mm -hmm. wouldn't be here if he was aggressive. But I've heard that before. People make little comments like, oh, he's so nice for being a pit bull. Or some people try to say things 
as jokes almost. Like one time I was walking down um, an aisle in a pet store and the guy was like, oh, hopefully he doesn't rip my arm off. Like, yeah. Yeah. And just little instances like that where I don't say anything. Like I just Mm -hmm. don't look at anybody because I've noticed people either absolutely love Arlo and Odin or they just don't even come near us. Yeah. Do those kind of comments like affect you or affect your relationship with your dogs at all? Um, me, it takes, it depends on like the extreme, what they say. Right. Um, obviously if they come up to me and say some, like I've had Arlo be called a baby annihilator before. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, um, so sometimes like, especially being on social media, I knew getting into it, I was going to get those comments. Right. So it doesn't surprise me too much, but sometimes I do let them get to me more than I should. Yeah. It's like you're having a bad day. I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes those comments do hurt a little bit deeper and exactly you can't like really predict or control when they happen. So if they do hit you Uh at the wrong time, it can sting a little bit harder. And Definitely. They like, there have been times where, you know, like I have had a bad walk with Layla and then somebody would comment something or say something. And then I'd be like, you know, that would affect my mood towards Layla almost. Mm-hmm. So ha- like that has, has that ever happened between you and Arlo since you've had him for longer? Honestly, if anything, it just makes me love him more just because good. I know how good of a dog he is. And I just yeah. give him extra lovings and it, it makes me feel bad for him because he, greets everybody with a wagging tail mm-hmm. and he he's not a jumper like he's very very calm for how young he is and the people who just walk right by him or like walk around like walk around him it makes him so sad and it makes me sad too so I just give him extra lovings for that um Aww. but not yeah but it has happened before it has happened a lot yeah yeah there have definitely been times where Layla's like so energetic that people will say stuff and then I'll be like man like I do kind of wish she was like a little bit calmer at times um and then that does kind of affect us a little bit just because of you know almost like an ego thing so it's been something that I've really had to work on getting past Mm -hmm. and I feel like as dog moms we set ourselves at such a higher standard yes Um, (laughs) So, like, it is hard not to be upset when your dog makes one mistake. Um, But I try to remind myself, mistakes happen. He's Mm -hmm. a dog. He's going to make mistakes. He's not perfect. Right. Um, But that kind of ties into having a bully breed, though. Like, bully breeds are judged way more than any other dog. Like, if you see a reactive bully breed compared to a reactive golden retriever, like, your your bully breed is going to be judged way harder. So that's one thing too, where, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, you go. I was going to say, that's one thing I really focus on their training from the get-go. Like day I brought them home just to help, you know, that we don't have those moments or have a lesser chance of having a reactive dog or. Right. And would you consider Arlo reactive at all? Or can he be reactive? Not an ounce in his being. No. That's amazing. Yeah, he, I got extremely lucky with Arlo and he's a rescue. I got him when he was nine months and I actually didn't know what an American bully was. I thought he was just, I just told everybody he was a bully mix, bully mm-hmm. mutt. 
um, until I got him DNA tested and it came back 100% American boy. And that's when I did research on it. And that's what made me want to get another one and fell in love with the breed. Oh, that's amazing. You know, that's, that's actually really, really great because so much can happen in that nine months. You know, mm-hmm. that's like their really essential, like crucial learning time when they are getting used to like sounds and sights. And um, so that's really, really great that he came to you and didn't have any reactivity issues. Yeah. Did I say nine months? I meant to say nine weeks. I got it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to no. say, wow, nine months. And like, that's yeah. great. Um, I apologize. Nine no, you are totally fine. No, that's great. So you got him a little bit earlier than what you got Odin. Yeah, so Odin was like eight and a half weeks. Okay, okay. So you got them around the same time. But now Odin is 14 weeks. Yes. Okay, okay. Gotcha. I got all my timelines straight now. (laughs) It's a lot to keep track of, so. Yeah. So, like, if you're you know, kind of getting like a lot of these comments, especially on social media, you know, do you ever feel like exhausted at times because of it? And like, how do you kind of handle that? Um, I wouldn't say exhausted is a good word. And it's hard to tell like the amount of comments we get compared to anybody else. So I can't say that we get more than other accounts. It's not a daily occurrence that we get these comments. Um, but most of the time I just brush them off. I reply with like, thanks for your opinion. Have a great day. Like I don't get into it. There has been times I have, like it's Mm -hmm. hard to control yourself all the time, but most of the time I just brush it off. Like everybody has their own opinion about it. What they think. I don't let it bother me. I don't, I don't try to think about it too much. Well, that's good because a lot of people can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it just helps because I knew going into social media it was going to be a thing mm-hmm. I never expected my accounts to grow like they did so it's more pressure now that they're a little bit bigger um but I just share what makes me happy and <laughs> what I know people like to see sometimes it's like easier to just totally neglect comments if you like know that yeah. it might be a video that people are going to post mean things on <laughs> yeah exactly um, but it definitely takes time to to learn some of that with social media. So mm-hmm. what advice would you give to somebody that is looking to get a bully breed? Like whether that be rescue or from a breeder, um, but they're like hesitant to do it due to the reputation. Yeah. So what I would recommend is, first of all, 100% do it. I don't think I've ever met an owner who rescued or adopted a bully breed, regret their choice in the breed that they went with. They're just so caring and just so joyful and bring so much happiness to everybody. Um, But what I would recommend is definitely do your research on the breed. Definitely know what you're getting yourself into because every dog is different, you know, no matter what the breed, but just some things to look for. Um, Something else that helped me a lot. So like I fostered a lot. So it kind of made me more aware of the different breeds and how they acted. So something people could do that can't foster is go to a rescue, you know, volunteer your time, hang out with dogs, especially bully breeds, if that's what they're interested in, um, that kind of stuff. Do research, volunteer, ask questions. I think volunteering is great. Volunteering is great. That is a great 
way to go, like a great route to go to kind of experience the different breeds. So yeah, you did be more comfortable with it too. Right. So you did mention that you fostered and you told me that you fostered like you fostered over like 25 dogs or something like that. It was like crazy. Yeah. Um so how many have you fostered? Because I might have butchered that number. And then how do you have like the mental and physical capacity to do that? Yeah, so it is around 25. I lost count, I think, after like 12. Okay. I tried to keep track, but they were just coming and going so fast. I couldn't keep count of everybody. Um, so when I did foster, I had my own house at the time. I'd now, I'm now living somewhere else, so I can't foster anymore. I'm in a mm-hmm. rental. Um, but at that time, I only had my cats and my chihuahua, and I knew I wanted to foster just because we weren't financially ready for our own dog yet. I wanted right. to give back. And I missed having a big dog. I grew up with a bunch of dogs, so I missed, I felt empty without a bigger dog in my house. Um, and what they did, so we live in Erie, and there was a transport that took dogs from a high kill shelter in Kentucky, and they would drive them down to Erie every Saturday, and mm-hmm. all the fosters would go and get the dogs, and it was a foster to adopt program, so you'd keep that dog until it was adopted. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know so, what part of Kentucky? I'm curious. I don't know. I, all I know is the high kill shelter. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, I live in Kentucky, right? Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder where it's at. Okay, but go on. Tell me more. Yeah, and I don't know if it's like multiple shelters in Kentucky or just the one. So, yeah, I would be really curious to know what part of the state it's coming from. Yeah, I'll have to do more research and let you know. But... um these dogs got adopted quickly. Like the average time I had a dog was probably four to six days. Oh, wow. That's very good. Them. Yes, it was. And then I, it was awesome. I was very happy. But then I would get another dog the next Saturday. Mm-hmm. So every Saturday I was getting a new dog, which in the beginning was awesome. But then it definitely took a toll like mentally, emotionally, just because some of these dogs were potty trained. So it was like reteaching all these behaviors. And then as soon as they were getting better, they would get adopted. And then I would get a new dog. Um, Most of the dogs, most of the male dogs were neutered, like right before they came to me. So some would be marking my house, Um, which I don't blame them, you know, not their problem at all. I definitely understand. But after a while, it definitely took a toll. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm sure. So did you only ever have one foster at a time or were there times that you had multiple? Um, no, I only had one foster just because I have so many of my own animals. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a thing where you were only allowed to have one at a time. Right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, I know some fosters are like that. Did you like, was it hard like to build a connection with a dog and then it be... Uh, adopted so quickly like did you ever feel like you know pieces of your heart were just like constantly going yes um and I'm one of those people where like I either can really really connect with the dog like right away or I only kind of sort of connect with the dog yeah and out of the 25 there were only two that I really debated on keeping um but I knew if I kept and I, those two I had ROL so I knew if I kept that dog I wouldn't be able to foster anymore right that would be six animals in my household and it's just me. 
taking care of them all. Um, so that's mainly the reason why I didn't adopt those dogs, but it was definitely hard to see some of them go. But a lot of them I keep in touch, like through social media or there's a Facebook alumni page that they post a lot of pictures on. So Oh, that's really great. Mm-hmm. Do you ever go and it visit helps. them? Um, no, there is one actually that my sister-in-law's parents adopted. He was my last foster. His name was Quincy and they adopted, but I have yet to go meet him or see him. Um, but everyone else like there, I think one of them went to like New Mexico or something. So they're all over the place. They're not all in Erie. Wow. Okay. That's funny because my I'm making like all sorts of like small connections. My uh, first dog ever, his name was Quincy. Oh, I love that name. <laughs> yeah. It was so cute. He was a Sheltie. Very well. Oh, yeah, Sheltie. he was really cute. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, I just like can't even believe or imagine having that many fosters go in and out. So how, like about how long did you do this for like, Six months to a year. I mean, if they were going so quickly and you had about 25, it would be about six months, I think. Yeah. So my first foster, I think I got in January of last year. Um, I did take breaks. I needed to take breaks or else I would have went insane between dogs. And then I also took a break when I adopted Arlo in February. So I think I had two dogs, got Arlo, took like a three to four week break and then got dogs steadily every Saturday. Um, I can't exactly remember the last dog I had, but I did take breaks here and there. Right. Okay. And you just like felt like that was just necessary at times for your like physical and mental health, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. There was one dog. Her name was Avi. She was a 60 pound bully breed and she, I, it's even hard to describe how she was. Loved her to death. But you needed to take a break after her. Like, yeah. try to tear, like, she would be laying down and I would turn my head for one second. I'd turn back around. She'd be tearing up my couch. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So you needed, I needed a good break after her. I thought about, like, I don't know if I could do another dog after her. But she's now in a loving home. So That's amazing. She, yeah. She had to be, I think it was on Trazodome, like a strict schedule. And I mm-hmm. finally got her, like, calm down. She, cook naps like she should like I got her on a good schedule my boyfriend at the time forgot to give her one of her pills and oh lord it messed things up bad so definitely took a long break after her so was she on the medicine before you got her and then you had to keep it up or was that something that you initiated as a foster she was on it before I got her okay because she actually went to a different foster for two weeks and that foster was going on vacation vacation so she brought her to me gotcha and she warned me she was like you need to keep an eye on this dog and mm-hmm. I was like I, I love this dog like she's gonna be fine in three minutes three hours in I knew I knew what she was talking about exactly. yeah like she was a handful and it wasn't even just like bad behavior it was just like weird behavior like she was just a bulldozer she had no like idea of like her space she'd just run you over she'd rip up my couch she she broke through the cage once it was just lots of things with her but I loved her (laughs) lots of experiences it sounds like so 
by fostering all of these dogs, what have you learned from it? Um, probably patience. Definitely patience. Um, I definitely learned that the little things go a long way. One of my favorite things about fostering is whenever I bring them home, they would obviously all play together for two hours. In that very first, like, carefree nap, they, they got the take, not in the shelter. Like, that was my favorite thing to see. I don't know why. It just made me so happy. Like, you could just tell they were happy and comfortable. And it was their first nap in a while that they just had no cares and they were happy and no worries. Um, but mostly patience, I would say. That is adorable about the first nap. Yeah. I've never thought about that just because I've never, well, I've never rescued. I've never had a rescue growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. and like Layla isn't a rescue, but that is something that I've never truly thought about. But now I feel like it's always going to be on my mind. The, like a rescue's first nap. Yes. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, and how, like like you said, like carefree, comfortable, just like safe, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure whenever they're in yep. the, the shelter or whatever they're in that there's different dogs barking. You don't really know like when or what is going to happen. And so just being in like a safe and comfortable environment and oh, yep. just like, like the carefree, it makes me so happy thinking about it. So I could understand yeah. like how it would be one of the happier moments for you. Mm-hmm. And they were all so tired because Kentucky's about, I think, a nine-hour drive from where I live. Mm-hmm. And they make that trip in, I think, two days. Yeah. So they just been through so much in the past two days. So that was definitely my favorite thing. And when they got, got adopted, obviously. But Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we actually went to um, – we went up that way to a vacation last summer. And it is about, like, eight or nine hours to Erie from where I live in Kentucky, at least. Mm-hmm. so so okay we've talked about your foster dogs let's talk about your own dogs now so Arlo and Odin and um those are those are the dogs that we're like mainly going to focus on um even yeah. though I want to you know make sure people know about your chihuahua oh yeah Bodhi <laughs> called king of the house yeah so you talked about doing therapy dog work with Arlo and you said like you've always wanted to do that since you were a little girl and would you mind kind of like saying why you want to do that and like why you're so passionate about it and you know kind of about like your health and that that stuff that you shared with me earlier yeah so when I was 10 I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and I was in and out of the hospital for years they didn't know that I had Crohn's right away I was diagnosed um, with leukemia a bunch a bunch of different stuff mm-hmm. they didn't know what was wrong with me so I was always in the hospital and I've always been obsessed with animals like he needed to find me as either outside with my dog doing something or us watching Animal Planet like <laughs> that's all I did um but the one thing that got me through those hospital visits was therapy dog teams that would come through and that would be the first thing whenever I'd be admitted, my mom would always go out like she wants to be on the therapy dog list, like first thing ever. So I think that's kind of what opened my eyes. Like I felt how much those dogs helped me when I was struggling and needed it most and how much comfort they provided to me. So that's what I wanted to give back to the people just because I firsthand, I knew 
how much like they can help a person struggling. Yeah. So really being on like the receiving side has just been so powerful that you now transitioned to working Mm -hmm. as a therapy dog team with your own, which is super exciting. I think you said you've been on three visits, right? Yes. So is that three like training visits or do you, are you uh, already certified? So I am already certified. They have, therapy dogs have to be at least one years old to take the test. Mm -hmm. Um, And Arlo turned one December 12th and we took our test on the 15th. So after you're certified, you're, you don't have to take any more tests. You can, you're good to go. So how it works in Erie is there's a therapy dog team and there's like an event calendar and Mm -hmm. you just have to sign up that way. Um, We went to two schools where he read, well, he didn't read to the kids, the kids (laughs) read to him. Um, that's what they call it. Like the dogs are going to read to the kids. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. Um, and then we also went to a domestic violence shelter, um, a couple weeks ago, we had to take a long break because of his knee surgery. Mm-hmm. So that was like a two month break we had to take. Right. Right. So what, if you don't mind me asking, like, what is Crohn's disease and mm-hmm. how has it affected you? like back, you know, before or whenever you were initially diagnosed? And then how does it affect you now? Yeah, so Crohn's disease, it's a autoimmune disease. More people are familiar with colitis. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you recognize that, but. Oh, no, I do because my lots of family members have like diverticulitis yeah. and, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yep. So Crohn's disease, it affects your digestion tract, like your entire digestion tract. Um, where colitis is specifically only your large intestine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's definitely made me more independent. I've gone through three major surgeries with it. I no longer have my large intestine. Um, so that was a big one. And being so young and like looking at me, people don't know I'm sick. Right. So... I guess not trying to like hide how I feel, but I can wake up every day is different how I feel when I wake up. Um, I have different triggers like in the fall. Usually I have a flare up um, where I just fatigue. It affects like my anxiety. I lose appetite. I can sleep all day. Um, So every day is different. Definitely made me independent. There's no cure. I guess I should include that. So it's something I'm going to have forever. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I'm in, I luckily found after trying almost every medication they have for it, I take an injection every four weeks, which kind of keeps my symptoms subdued for now, but they're looking to change it because they're not doing enough. So, and that's something with my disease too. Like it's never a hundred percent been controlled. Right. So it's just a constant, like figuring out what's going to help and new medications coming out um, where I just have to follow along closely with doctors and and stuff like that and go through tests. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like it's something that you could train Arlo to be a service dog for? I'm not really sure like what tasks he would do, but I'm sure something yeah. to help with like the anxiety or like if you, a certain food um, mm-hmm. like, you know, flares you up more to mm-hmm. you could train him to like sniff it out yeah well I'm lucky where where most people with Crohn's or colitis like they do have those foods that they avoid mm-hmm. where I'm lucky 
I really don't have a food that affects me too much. The only thing is I kind of try to not eat too much dairy, but okay. I can have a, a little bit and I'm fine. Um, and I actually never thought about this until I read your question about him being a service dog. And I've never thought about doing that. And I, I feel like he could, like if I pushed for it, I feel, feel like my doctors could work together and right, I don't yeah. even know what you need, like a letter or certain testing I'm not too familiar with it Mm -hmm. um but would Arlo be a good service dog Eh, probably not okay he's he's more of like he would be more of like emotional support animal gotcha he lacks a lot of confidence Arlo has a lot of feeling so if we were like he was when he was three months old a big semi went by scared him ever since then he does not like big semis so if we're anywhere with a semi, Arlo would not be a very good service dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. That's good to like, you know, know your dog in that way. Um, but it would be like the type of thing that I would be curious to see what other people with Crohn's disease, if they have service dogs and like the tasks that they would use their dogs for. Um, I know like my grandma and my dad where they have diverticulitis, um, they like can't eat things with seeds in them. Or, like, they can't eat rice, I think. Um, like, basically things that are, like, really small. Or, like, yeah. have, have really small um, particles to them kind of thing. Um, and so that's not really something that you can, like, sniff out. But yeah. it would be interesting to see, like, if you had a food that, you know, flares you up, like gluten or something like that, that mm-hmm. your dog could eventually sniff it out to to help you in that way. Um, yeah. And that would definitely be a certain task, um, or with anxiety or with like the sleepiness, I think they could, uh, have certain tasks for that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's, he's a big sleeper. He would, he would be good with that, but I'm just thinking like in the areas where he would get nervous. I always joke that he needs his his personal like support animal. That's funny. Yeah. Because that dog has more emotions and feelings than any other dog I've ever met. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he wears his feelings on his sleeve. So. Has that ever affected you with your therapy dog training? Um, yeah. The most recent one that we went to at the domestic violence shelter, they were having like a ceremony before the actual visit. And it was by a very busy road and a fire truck went by. And normally Arlo is very like wagging tail, wants to meet everybody. But when he's nervous, he doesn't, he just shuts down. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. try to run away but he just shuts down he doesn't focus on anything other than the cars um so that kind of affected him during the whole visit even though we went to a separate yard after that um but after about 15 minutes he started wagging his tail and coming out of his shell but that was really the only thing that has ever affected him okay yeah that makes me think like Layla is definitely a flight risk that should that's like her reactivity is if she's if she is scared of something she is more likely to flee rather than fight um and I know something like that can really affect her um I don't want to say like long term but for you know a couple hours afterwards um just because of like the triggers kind of stacking on and and uh, yeah making or affecting her mood in that way yeah so you said like you were in the hospital a lot as a kid and you know it came with like a lot of 
isolation at times, I'm sure. So how did this affect your relationship with your animals and your pets, like while growing up? Um, and now if it, if it does affect them. Yeah. So there's never been a time in my life where I have not had animals. Um, growing up, I've had dogs, cats, guinea pigs. I had a leopard gecko once, horses, chickens, like we had it all All of the above. (laughs) Yes. All the above. Um, so I could not imagine my life without an animal. Like, I don't care if it was a guinea pig, a hamster, like I need an animal. And I guess I don't really think about how much I depend on them just because I'm so used to having them, but I do depend on them a lot just for comfort. Um, and just like to relax and calm myself down. Like if I'm having a bad day, Arlo knows Mm -hmm. and I give him a hug and he sleeps on my shoulder and it makes me feel so much better. Like it's the one thing that truly like helps me feel better. Right. Do you ever feel like because you depended on them so much from, you know, a younger age and like you saw the therapy dogs at a young age and I'm sure like they were very well behaved and obedient and everything. Did that kind of like ever affect your expectations of how your own pets or own dogs should be? Um, I would say not too, too much just because. I understood that therapy dogs had to go through a certain testing to become therapy dogs. Mm-hmm. But I also knew not every dog could be a therapy dog. Right. Um, so not too much. No, I mean, I definitely understood every dog is different. Every dog has their own issues. Well, that's good because I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. And I will like fully admit that I was not one of the people that understood how different each dog could be, even if they were the same breed um, and how different all of their personalities are. Because, you know, I definitely looked at uh, my mom's boyfriend's dog, who was an Aussie, and she was great. She was an awesome dog. And so, you know, whenever we got Layla and she had Aussie in her, I was like, oh, she's going to be great because my mom's boyfriend's dog is great. Um, and then, you know, we ran into some different challenges with Layla, but because I saw a dog like her, you know, and kind of just made all of my expectations off of that, it did really hurt my mindset at times with her. Yeah. So I didn't know if because of like you seeing the dogs while growing up, um, especially therapy dogs, because like you said, they go through so much training that it can really like skew expectations. So I'm glad it didn't for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I knew that going in that even like when I adopted Arlo, I really, really wanted him to become a therapy dog, but I was very like, not every dog is meant to be a therapy dog. Mm-hmm. So I was going to be okay if he wasn't meant to be. Um, and I'm actually an AKC serve for therapy dog. So I take um, therapy dog teams and I take them through the evaluation and pass or fail them basically. Oh, okay. Um, so you like know everything that goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you could say that. Um, but one of the biggest things I tell people is you could have the most well-trained dog and it does not mean that they're going to be a good therapy dog. Right. Like at the end of the day, I think, I think personality matters a little bit more than obedience like yeah the dog needs basic obedience but the dog also needs the love to do like therapy dog work 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I've heard from other people that are therapy dog teams with their with their dog that I've had on the podcast is that it truly does take like a specific, or I don't want to say like specific, but a very, you know, personality type to yeah. pick up on emotions and um, be able to read the room really, really good. Yes. Yep, exactly. And what's funny too is that I'm just now realizing this. All of the people that I've had on here that have been therapy dog owners or therapy dog teams, they've all either rescued their dog or they had like a mixed breed, which is really funny to me because whenever I feel like the stereotypical therapy dog is a golden retriever, you know what I mean? Um, And so it's really just fascinating to me that all of you guys have either mixed breeds or rescues and it it really warms my heart to be able to share that you don't have to have a golden retriever no offense to golden retriever therapy dog teams but like you don't have to have one to um to fit the mold of of a good therapy dog team exactly and that's more so the reason why I wanted to get a rescue and a bully breed because like I'm breaking two stereotypes at once going out here and volunteering so yeah I can do you think that you'll do anything with Odin it is hard to tell he's still so young like he's just now getting out of the monster puppy stage where he just eats poops and sleeps Mm -hmm. so I'm just now kind of learning his personality he is very sweet as most bullies are um, I was hoping more so that he would have a little bit more like drive to work, like maybe do like some protection work with him possibly. Cool. But I don't know if he'll have it in him. It it really depends. He's not old enough really to see what I want to do with him. Right. But yeah, you still as, have some time. Yeah, exactly. And as far as therapy dogs go, you are allowed to have two dogs registered as therapy dogs, but you're only allowed to have one on a visit at a time. So, and Arlo loves it so much. I don't know if I would want to take that away from him. But. Well, what a sweet mom you are. <laughs> what a sweet dog yeah. mom that you're thinking about that. I think protection work would be really cool. So if you could like do that with him, that would be awesome. And it would be so funny too, because you would have one that is doing sweet therapy dog work and then you'd have one that is like really drivey doing protection work I really like that yeah I mean and too because right now the only one that would protect me in my house is my chihuahua (laughs) I don't know what what all he would be able to do but I think just it would make like I said my boyfriend he works all hours of the night so sometimes I'm here by myself right um so just to have a dog you know that would actually make me feel protected would be nice. Totally. But, yeah. Totally. You don't think uh, Arlo's therapy dog skills are are going to help you out at all? If like a burglar no. comes in you'll or like a robber, he'll he'll sit there and like, you know, snuggle up to him and, yeah. you know, ask to get pets. <laughs> yeah. It's actually funny because my boyfriend and I tested it once and he walked in. He didn't knock or anything and he was wearing all black, like black hat. And he came around the corner and Arlo was standing next to me and my chihuahua was standing next to me. And instantly my chihuahua goes, barks, and Arlo turns the other way, runs in my closet, hides. Like, really? That is too funny. 
yeah, no, he he has no uh, protective skills in him. That's too, too, too funny. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so to wrap everything up before we uh, say our goodbyes, what does having a dog mom mentality mean to you? Yeah, million dollar question. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another question I have been pondering on and somebody you had in a couple episodes back, she said it really, really well. I think it was the traveling carriers. Um, okay. She explained it really well, definitely better than I would. And I agree with everything she had to say. But if I had to wrap it up into one word, I think I would describe it as obsession. Like a dog mom versus a dog owner. A dog mom has way more obsession with their dog than their typical dog owner, if that makes sense. Like, yes. Like, does Arlo need five different joint supplements? No, but, like, I just provide him, I go, like, that extra step, almost. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the better safe than sorry method. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, like, also, he is the picky, like, if you follow my page, one of the main things to talk about is how picky he is. And I have probably, I'm on my 12th kibble right now that he's been wow. trying. Yeah. So, and you know what? Most dog owners, they'd be like, hey you get this food you get what you get you get what you get and I'm like oh no like cater to him a little bit more which partially my fault that he's probably so picky but I just I want him to be happy like I go the extra step and I want him to enjoy eating and I want him to be as healthy as possible so I really just think it's more of like an obsession and more of like going that extra step in dog ownership yeah I like that going the extra step in dog ownership that is a really good way to put it. I like that. And I don't think anybody has said anything like that yet. Awesome. I just came up with that. So awesome. Well, good. Good. Good thinking on the spot. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for coming on and, and talking to me and sharing about all of your experiences as a bully dog owner, as, you know, on the receiving side and the giving side of therapy dogs and all of your foster dog work. So to really wrap everything up, if you could tell people where to find you and your dogs on all the social medias. Yeah, so we are on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Um, and it's all underneath the same name, Life with Bullies. And there's a period in between each of the words. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. I loved having you. And yeah, we'll talk to everyone the next time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. My name is Caroline. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Dog Mom Mentality. And if you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today.